Together, let's pray as we always do. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Lord, and illuminate our minds and our hearts. Make them fertile soil that your word may bear great fruit for our life. Lord, convict and console our hearts. Speak, for your servants are listening. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. So who is my neighbor? This question that the scholar of the law, the Jewish scholar of the law, asked Jesus in response to the answer to his first question, right? The first question was, Master, you know, what, how do I inherit eternal life? And Jesus, as he does plenty of times, doesn't directly answer the question. He, he, he poses the question back to him. Well, well, what do you say? And the scholar of the law speaks of the one commandment, right? The main one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your being, with all your mind, with all your strength. And then you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So Jesus says, well, yes, you've spoken wisely. Do this. And you will live. And then, right, the scholar of the law says this, in order to justify himself, he asked the question, then who is my neighbor? And what's important for us to understand in this context that at this time in Jewish history, there was a debate, really, like, what was the proper interpretation of who's my neighbor? Based off of Deuteronomy, and you go back, and what the context is, and all these different things. And so some people say, well, well the, your neighbor is really just your fellow Jews, people who, you know, are, are part of the Jewish people. This is your neighbor. Love them as you love yourself. But then the... the the greater understanding and the proper context was that everyone is your neighbor. So when this guy is saying he wanted to justify himself, St. Luke tells us that, then we can kind of presume, probably rightly, maybe not, that he had the more narrow vision of what a neighbor was, right? Just, just, just my people, people that I, I associate with. So Jesus, again, instead of just kind of outright answering the question, tells him one of the most famous parables, particularly one of the most famous of Christ. And then we know the story. We just read it. This man is coming from Jerusalem to Jericho, and robbers come, and they beat him, and they, take, and they strip, strip him naked, and he's left for half dead on the side of the road. And then a priest and a Levite walk by, and a Levite, you know, for current comparison state, there would be, sort of kind of like a deacon of the time since. So you got, you got two fellows who should stop and help, and they don't. They just keep walking by. And so you, you have this Samaritan who shows up on the scene. And we're all kind of basically familiar with this, but the, the Jews and the Samaritans did not like each other. They did not get along, and it's not an exaggeration to say that they hated each other and they were enemies. And there was consistent conflict. If you read the Jewish historian Josephus, even during this time, there were Samaritans who, who had mauled a couple of Jews as they were going to the, uh, to the temple and killed them. 
And so this is kind of tense. It's almost Jesus like playing on this reality. There's like recent event that has just happened and, and this Samaritan shows up. And in that, he loves him. He says he has compassion. His heart is moved with compassion. But not only his heart is moved with compassion, because how many times are our hearts moved with compassion? And it never goes any further than that. I mean, he had good reason for it not to go any further than that. He's walking by, his heart is moved with compassion. He's like, oh my gosh, this person is left for dead. I should help them. But oh wait, I'm a Samaritan. He's a Jew. This is a bad idea. Maybe I'm not supposed to be there. Maybe he doesn't want me to help him. Maybe if I walk up, people are going to think, oh, he did this. Or maybe if I come up and they even see me helping him, that I'm going to become a scapegoat. They're going to blame it on me. They're going to kill me, put me in jail, whatever it is. But in spite of all this fear, the fear of the unknown, the fear of the difference, this man steps into that. And he loves him. And he bandages his wound. And he takes him to the inn. And he cares for him there. And then as he goes along, he tells the innkeeper, Here, here's some money, whatever you need, take care of him. And if when I come back, I need to repay you more, I will. Now, when Jesus, anytime he, he kind of tells a parable and there's these characters, there's always a, an aspect of it that is an aspect of Christ. And so really, the church has interpreted this for a long time spiritually that that man on the side of the road is us. That in the midst of our sin, it's like we've been robbed and we've been beaten and we're half dead on the side of the road, helpless. Christ comes, he bandages our wounds, and you think this image, right, of the oil and the wine, the sacraments. Through the grace of the sacraments, the Lord is healing us. And then where does he bring us? To the inn, right, to the church. And he places us within the community, within the home of the church, where the sacraments are flowing deeply and Christ's presence is there and he pays, right? He, he pays for this for us with his own life. He says, I'm going, but, but, but I'll be back. Now the call for us here and the question, the call is we are supposed to be like the Samaritan. We are supposed to be like Christ. Man, that's hard. It's a difficult thing. But it's not something the Lord sends us out on our own. He, he empowers us and he transforms our hearts and he gives us grace, like the life of God. Grace is the life of God given to us that we may live the life of Christ in our own lives. He calls us to this. Our question, a big question with this is for ourselves, then who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? Is my neighbor someone who talks like me, looks like me, is in the same socioeconomic status as me? They think the same things, they're in the same political party as me? Or is that my neighbor, just that person, this group of people? Can we have the heart of Christ and the heart of the Good Samaritan and see that everyone Everyone, no matter what they look like, no matter what color of their skin, no matter what religion they are, no matter what they believe, no matter how they act, 
that might be the most difficult one sometimes, right? No matter how they act, are our brothers and sisters in Christ. And we are called to love them. Prudently, right? We're called to love. To see them as our neighbor. And to love them with the heart of Christ. And we can't do this for every single person on the planet, but we have to be, have our eyes open to who the Lord is putting in front of us as the Samaritan walked by and who the Lord is placing on our hearts. And we need to move. We need to, to break down the fear that keep us from stepping into that. I want to tell a story of, of a woman who has done this heroically. I was talking to Father Josh uh, this week as we were preparing for our homilies, and he was telling me a story of a friend of his whose mother is originally from Africa. And so she, her mother, um, when she was, this woman, Miss Rose is her name, when she was in her late 50s, her, her mother passed away, and she felt like her mother died because she didn't have sufficient medical care. And so she, at the age of 60, Miss Rose goes back to school so that she can start her own home health business. So she starts her own home health business, and she is just like pouring her heart into this, connecting all these doctors or therapists and the right people to, to care for folks. And there's this one particular woman that she finds out about that, that no one's really caring for. So she goes to her home and knocks on the door, and the woman tells her a lot of really ugly things, curses her out, and says, go away. So Ms. Rose goes back. Same thing happened. And then she goes back, and the same thing happens. And eventually the lady lets her inside. And then the lady slowly, right? I mean, she's just going back, and the lady is like angry, and yelling, and calling her names, and all these things. Eventually the lady lets her start to take care of her. And as she's starting to take care of her, Miss Rose really doesn't say anything, and this woman is, is saying some extremely terrible things. Like, why are you putting your inward hands on me? So Rose just stays silent, helping, loving this woman. This woman begins to realize, like, no one else is doing this for me. No one else is even in my life. So she starts, her heart starts to, to soften some. And, and then eventually uh, her heart softens some more. So they, they kind of begin to, to become friends a little bit. And they're sharing stories. And this is, this is over a significant period of time. And so then Miss Rose one day starts to tell her about her faith. And the lady says, um, I'm an atheist don't talk to me about God. And she says some, some really crude things about the Lord. And, and Miss Rose, and again, now they have a little bit of a better relationship now. Miss Rose says, ma'am, um, you can say whatever you want about me, but you better not talk about the Lord like that. <laughs> and so the lady says, well, then tell me about your God. Miss Rose told her about the Lord just preached the gospel to her. And then the woman eventually, right, became a believer. And even after, um, you know, 
she didn't necessarily need that. Miss Rose just stayed, stayed, and stayed, continued to go back, um, not getting paid at this point anymore. And the woman died in, in communion with Christ and in, and in communion with Miss Rose through her heroic love. That's a, a heroic, heroic way to live this. Brothers and sisters, Jesus is calling us to have this same heart, and it's difficult. Believe me, it's difficult, right? For me, it's a hard, hard thing. But, but Christ gives us the grace, the grace. So we're coming to receive the Eucharist. Jesus is giving us his heart. And pray for it, Lord, purify my heart. Purify my eyes so that I can see all people as my neighbor. Purify any prejudice or racism, Lord, any, all these things, whatever it may be, like purify this within me. We don't have to completely agree with everyone. We don't have to, to, to deny who we are or what we believe is true, but we have to honor and love people and respect them. We have to do this. And as we do this person by person, then there's, there's, there becomes a shift in a community when that begins to happen. Let us pray, right, that, that Christ would convert our hearts and that we would live this to individually and together as a community. Who is my neighbor? Who, who is my neighbor? It's the question that the gospel asks us today. Because he wished to justify himself, he said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? And Jesus spoke of truth of the good Samaritan. And he said to him, which of these three, in your opinion, was neighbor to the robber's victim? He answered, the one who treated him with mercy. With mercy. You know, see, this key, key piece is we think, well, that person doesn't deserve me to love them. Well, mercy is undeserved. And every person is created in the image and likeness of God, so they do deserve love no matter what their behavior is. Again, there's prudence here, right? Prudence. But mercy. Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. 